You're listening to The Parallel Past, a podcast designed to elevate your mind, body, and spirit so that you can get everything you want out of life. The only question is, are you ready? All right, welcome back to another episode of The Parallel Past podcast. I'm your co-host, Makita Moore. I'm your other co-host, Blair McClendon. And we are joined again by Naima and her husband, Bamadeli. Thank you all for joining us. We definitely have to do a part two after last week. Yes. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> thank you guys for rejoining us. Awesome. And, you know, we had already had this, you know, part two plan after last week's discussion because there was still so much we wanted to talk about with you all and your move to Tanzania and just life living, you know, this more African-centered life versus this more European influence life over here in America. And we talked about the consequences of that, um, how you all have grown in, you know, your understanding of self. Um, but, you know, this episode is also very timely because, you know, your country just experienced a tragedy, an immense tragedy, um, another mark of uh, war, this warfare that we're undergoing, um, can you all explain to us, our listeners, what happened and the implications that has? Okay, I'll let you start. Okay, so um, as you noted, um, Tanzania has just undergone a tremendous tragedy with the loss of its um, fifth president, uh, Dr. John Pombe Magafuli. Um, John Pombe Magafuli, he was a um, very um, aggressive nationalist in the sense that he had a vision for Africa that was independent of European or mm -hmm. um, Asian dependence. Mm -hmm. And um, it's of our opinion that um, he was actually assassinated. Um, in fact, I think, I wouldn't say it's an opinion, I'll say we, we feel he was assassinated because right. um, his, the threat that he posed to kind of global domination by these international organizations. And um, in fact, before he was um, announced to be deceased, he had gone missing for over three weeks. Yeah. And, and in fact, you know, uh, they said the official cause of death was cardiac arrest. But um, again, the, the circumstances surrounding his death are still very unclear. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, it was people in his inner circle who had been killed prior to his death. Right. So within like, uh, a, within like few a, within a few months of his death, it was three other individuals who were killed. And if it was four. Um, four, and four, in fact, it was four other individuals who were killed. Um, and there are really a lot of unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. And now they've replaced um, Dr. Magafuli with um, Dr. I mean, uh, Mrs. Um, Hamia Hassan. And she's the first um, woman president of Tanzania. But again, we have to really, at moments like this, really think about what this means for the future of the continent. Because mm -hmm. without leaders like Magafuli, there's a high risk of um, the continent being recolonized yeah. and being run in ways that don't serve African people in right, any way. Right. So yeah. and we would we had the fortune to attend his memorial on yesterday mm -hmm. and to go to the memorial and see how many people truly love this man. That's and, crazy. And you know, honored him. This is really it, it makes the pain that much deeper because you get a sense of that he represented people who previously had no voice yeah. in government. Mm -hmm. You know, people is literally fainting. You know, because in, in, in actually some actually passed away at the memorial yeah. from in shock. Front, in front of us. From shock. It was, it, was, it was at least like three women who died yesterday at Magafuli's memorial because they was in shock and they died. And they had tents set up for these women 
because they anticipated that this would happen. Yeah, they had they had um, Red Cross yeah. tents like prepared because they knew people were going to be fainting, but mm -hmm. I don't think they knew people would be mm -hmm. dying. Mm -hmm. wow. So it was it was a huge huge tragedy, and I think it's a shame that none of this is really reaching the um, world media. But yeah. that's okay because you know we feel that comes with the territory. Right. Whenever you're a leader who's um, fiercely independent in the mm -hmm. way that he was, you're never going to get the applause when you deserve it. But the important thing is that he's laid the foundation, and I'm, I'm confident that the people of Tanzania will continue to build off of that. Right, right. Wow. Man, <clears throat> heart definitely goes out to those people, man, because there's another great yeah. leader fallen. So, I mean, from the Marcus Garvey's to the Mandela's, like, this is just another name on that list. It's, yes, right. yes, yes. Yes. And he was doing so many things like mm -hmm. to keep Europeans out and they hated him for that. Like the mm -hmm. Chinese offered like a 10 billion. Yeah, they offered a 10, 10 billion, billion dollar uh, loan and he rejected, he rejected it, it because he understood that when you would um, accept money from these foreign nations, that's basically you're selling your country's resources mm -hmm. off. Yeah. And, and he wasn't about that, you know, and on top of that, he never traveled outside of Tanzania. Yeah, he never left. His entire term from 2015 to the day he passed, he never left Tanzania. And he wouldn't let the cabinet leave either. Yeah. So a lot of people in the government, although they worked there, a lot of them didn't like him because he wasn't allowing them to, he was one of those, no, they called him a bulldozer. So basically mm -hmm. he was one of those people who, if he saw you weren't doing your job, you're fired. Mm -hmm. Versus a lot of other African countries that with the cor corruption that there is, we all know what that really means. But um, with the corruption, they were, you don't have to do your job. You can just be basically getting a check. But for him, he was like, if you're not performing, you're out. Right. And for them, they weren't used to that type of accountability. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people in his cabinet did not like him. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, right. it, he he do he, he used to say he was a sacrificial lamb. He right, used to say he that said that multiple times. He said he's a sacrificial lamb. Yeah. So, he, so knew he knew he knew he, he was a target. Mm -hmm. and, you know, they try. I, I, we feel that this was a um, conspiracy to kill him from the moment he stepped in the office, yeah. and, and he kind of tried to stay alive as long as, as long possible. as he could. Yeah. And, and, uh, and the only reason they were able to get him is because they took out the people closest to him. Because that's why they couldn't get him before is because he had a very tight knit, um, those few men around him that he was very close with and, and believed in him, but they took them out. And once they killed them, he was, he was open to- He was isolated. He was, yeah, he was isolated. Yes. So it was easy to get him, so. Wow. Yeah. What what percent of the population do you feel like understands that view versus those who are like, oh, it was COVID? Like, I mean, because I feel like that was the first story they threw out was that it was COVID, just because he's been such a uh, he's seen past the BS when it comes to COVID, and he really, you know, the mm -hmm. rest of the country didn't like that he wasn't forcing people wear masks and things like that. So that was the first story that came out. Then I saw the stuff about mm -hmm. the heart um, having the heart condition come out. Do you right. feel like the other people in Tanzania see past that propaganda or are people really divided as far as what really happened? So most people know. Yes. Um, most people know that he wasn't, he didn't die from natural causes, but they are very, they, they know that speaking against that, if the government is telling you it's the, it was a heart attack, then you better say it was a heart attack. And right. they just talk amongst themselves, but they don't, they're not going to go on social media or they're not going to write an article saying, right. 
it was an assassination because they understand that, you know, you could get in trouble. They, they kind of abide by the rules very well here. So most people know the people who um, don't care, though, are usually the people who have money. So like right. the, the people who had money, the people who were very wealthy here, they didn't like Nagafuli when he was alive. Right. And a lot of them, honestly, we heard that people were celebrating. People yes. were out celebrating the night that it got word. The people, the rich, wealthy people, Tanzanians as well, were out partying because mm -hmm. he was out. And that basically means that now they don't have to, they can be a lot more. And they can open their doors to international yes. influence. Because yes. the main thing is that the kind of more affluent classes within Tanzania, they're more European oriented. Mm -hmm. So all of their um, wealth and, and assets are based in Europe. Mm -hmm. So and what Magafuli did is he made them um, make sacrifices and said that you aren't going to profit in Tanzania without contributing to the Tanzanian people. Right. And so he, he had a policy that was basically about raising tax revenue and raising mm -hmm. infrastructure mm -hmm. and, and domestic investment. And all of this was kind of very um, um, uh, undesirable for the people who had traditionally benefited by forming ties to international right. um, um, powers. Mm -hmm. So once um, Magafuli died, it was almost like it, they was cashing in. They was yeah. like, finally, we get to resume business as usual. As usual, right. You and know? the Chinese were able to come in. Now it's easier yeah. for them because, you yeah. know. Because even the people at Magafuli's funeral, a lot of them didn't live in um, Dar es Salaam. They came from as far as Kilimanjaro and beyond mm -hmm. because those are the areas of Tanzania where people are farmers mm -hmm. and they don't have a lot. Yeah. But in, 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 in Magafuli, they saw somebody who finally represented Tanzania. Yeah. They called him the president of the poor. Yeah, the president of the poor. That's one of the so, names they have mm -hmm. on him. Yeah, yeah, so most people here who didn't have a lot of affluence are the ones who loved him. And the people who were have a lot of businesses or anything like that, they, they didn't really care. Yeah, mm -hmm. as they say, they put they think of it as the storm has passed yeah you know but it's really the storm has arrived exactly but, you know. <laughs> they don't get that though yeah. sounds very similar to america in this new shift in office <clears throat> and I'm, I'm not a political person on one side or the other to me we don't have a course in the race over here but this new shift in office you're starting mm. to see a lot of this new world order stuff start to come to play so i'm like mm. hey man um listen to the message and not necessarily the messengers right 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 right, right. right. Yes. and he would have never complied with no new or order anything like yes. they they he had to be eliminated for that to happen mm -hmm. and bill gates all of those people so it wasn't even just like the chinese or the europeans it was they all had reasons mm -hmm. to have him out right because there was no way he was going to comply he he literally just wouldn't they would have had to kill him. Right, because the Guardian actually, they had an article um, that came out called Africa Must Reign In Its Anti-Vaxxer President. This was like published on February 8th. And literally like a few days later, that's when Magafuli turned up missing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then the next time he heard about him, he was dead. Yeah. So put two and two together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes sense to me. Well, we yeah. definitely honor him. We definitely honor him and him recognizing what he was getting into and you know being bold about it recognizing that you know he lives on eternally and his legacy yeah. to uh, uplift and inspire others um because that's what we all come here to do you know we can't be afraid of of death um of what they try to perceive yeah. at the end of life because then we will stay mm -hmm. here we will try to hold on to this life and and be afraid mm -hmm. to make the moves that our spirit is calling us to do so 
you know yeah, that's yes. so that's yes. that's the biggest thing most of us are just too right. afraid of that but if you if you stood for something mm. while you were alive then you didn't die in vain but a lot of us are dying mm. and we right. stood for nothing so right. it's like yeah we die before we physically die yeah. we die in spirit and, and that when yep. you die in like that when you actually physically die you don't live yeah there's no life after that right. you know if you didn't represent anything you was alive so we take heart in that um reality that mm -hmm. even though it was sad that he's gone we we have a lot to learn from still yeah. you know it's, it's so much we can learn from his example mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's another thing I, I mean i know all of our listeners are primarily in in america um is doing your own research on you know these leaders because when they're being taken out like even gaddafi you know that he was taken out when yeah. obama was in in office obama you know was calling them shots um yeah. and it's like these you're going to be told one story in america like there's a the media is designed to, to give you a specific story um right so you really got to do your own research to find out what's really happening in this world exactly. yes exactly yes that's so important that's imperative yeah. you know especially now where it's so easy to spread misinformation and, and peddle it as fact mm -hmm. you know when you have your own critical lens on things you can get up under that and also just to understand the history you know, because I, I think a lot of the conclusions we come to, it isn't necessarily how we read the news, though we do read the news. We also understand historical patterns. Mm -hmm. So, like, I can remember when I, the minute I heard about Magafuli's um, assassination, I was like, this is just like Thomas Sankara. This mm -hmm. is just like Patrice Lumumba. This is just like Samora Michelle. Mm -hmm. so, Michelle. So, the continent of Africa has a deep history of independent leaders being killed. Yeah. So when whenever you know someone asks for evidence, I'm like, look at the history. Look at the history. There is there's no better evidence than that. Right. So yeah, right. I definitely agree. We have to start looking at these things um, in ways that are historically informed, but also independent of mainstream media. Right. You know. Yeah, and I think that's important too. To kind of tie it back to, let's say, school and the history that we were taught, his story. And so we're taught from this lens to make it seem like all of this stuff was so far, far removed mm -hmm. and so, so long ago. I mean, this is in the last 300 years, even with Florida shifting hands of power. So it's like, this yeah. is only a few generations ago where these same people are invading our own land, stealing our lands, killing our people, raping our women, whatever. So it's like, what has changed in 2020, 2021 to make you think this is any different? And it's not just an advanced plan of colonization <clears throat> right. and taking right. over. Exactly. That's all it's ever been about, man. Right. right. It's just go about it different ways. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Just an evolved form. I just started reading um, the destruction of the black civilization, or I don't know if it's African civilization. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, because I was watching one of y'all's videos and y'all had mentioned it, and I wrote it down. I was like, this title sounds so familiar. And I went to my bookshelf because, like, when I when I was leaving Atlanta, I had like grabbed some books from my father's shelf, and that was one of the books that I grabbed. And I never really opened it. Like, I opened it a little bit, but I finally started reading it. I'm just like, Africa is just. It's everything. It's the, so, such a rich planet and culture and resources, and it, and it makes sense. I mean, the people enough are are a, 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 an invaluable resource, but then you also put the material resources there too that people can have as tangibly. They can't take our power. They can't, you know, take the power of a, of a black person. 
or a person of color, right. but they can't take those resources. And that's just what's been happening since day one. Like they're just any way they can. And that's why, you know, we, we look on the image that's portrayed to a lot of Americans about Africans being these starving people. And it's because, I mean, that is happening in some areas and it's because they were pushed into those areas that aren't inhabitable um, and all the resources are being leached out. So when you have a president like Magafuli, who was like, no, we're keeping our resources, like that's, that goes against the entire system that all these other, you know, it's crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy you say that because I'm thinking like, I, I tell um, Mikey a lot, I'm like, when you learn the history of Africa, that's the history of the world. Mm -hmm. Because it like literally, like every world event that we're taught, you know, in, you know, our schooling in America, there's always an African component to it that's not talked about. So like if you talk about like even the world wars, the first and second world war, it was always, you know, wars battling over which European power could, could take over um, African possessions on mm -hmm. the continent. Right. You know, so there's always an African dimension. I feel like because that dimension has been kind of cut out of the, the, the narrative that we hear, our sense of world history is very small. You know, we like, I feel like I never really knew about what world history was until I started learning about Africa. Mm -hmm. Because cause at the day, Africa is that kind of, it's the, it's the wealth of the world. You know how they, you have certain places and they say, oh, this is the wealth of the nation. I feel like Africa is the wealth of the world. Yes, and, and it's, all races, right? it's always a battle, you know, yeah. it's under the subtext of every historical um, um, event is, who's going to win the prize that is the African uh, resources, the African wealth. Right. So yeah, I definitely agree um, that Dr. Chancellor Williams, his book is very influential for me because especially the chapter where he talks about the Masi people in West Africa. Yeah. And, and they had this idea about the first white man, they called it the, the creed. And they said the first white man to enter the nation, that would be our destruction. Yeah. And it, it happened exactly the way. You know, so you have this always this tension between should you be isolated or should you open up the um, the nation to outsiders? Mm -hmm. You know, like Black Panther even they they tried to play on that theme. Right. And and every time Africa tends to open up its um, gates to um, outsiders, it's always exploitation. It's always um, suffering and warfare. That follows. You know, so right. I hope we learn from those historical lessons. You know, and not repeat them in the same mistakes over and over, over and again. over. Right. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Devil in a new dress. <laughs> mm -hmm. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Mm -hmm. And the, except the devil is getting more like he's getting eviler. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. it's not even, it's almost like, dang, like how it's like they're trying to invent new ways to just destroy. And, and then we were even talking about too, just the simple fact that they have something that like a nuclear weapon. Like what yeah. type of <laughs> brain do yes. you have to where you would conceive of an idea right. of a weapon that will not just destroy your enemies but destroy and not like the you. whole planet that's that's like that's something that a lot of us right. don't like to sit and think about right. but like we when we were thinking about it in america like we're living in a nation that is okay with everything that we see around us just being right. obliterated right because i because i was thinking like if, if there's anything if there's anything that could make a culture irredeemable, it's the production of a weapon that can destroy the earth. The earth. Like, because I felt like once that weapon kind of was officially kind of created, mm -hmm. it should have been a consensus worldwide that, okay, 
the culture that produced this weapon is now disqualified from any decision making mm -hmm. in any arena of life because yes. they obviously don't value life enough mm -hmm. to not build a weapon that could destroy everything on earth everything. Right. so and, and the fact we're still living under the dominion of the same culture that created the nuclear weapons yeah. right now in 2021. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's not meditated on enough because I think if we were to truly meditate on that, we have to take action. Yeah. And, and, but that, again, that runs up against that fear of death. Mm -hmm. You know, we fear death, so we kind of we submit to a life that is not even living. Right. You know? And it kind of shows on how um, non-unnegotiable they are on things. Like yeah. if you will create something, because it's almost like, well, you hit, you if we're, if we're losing and we're down and, and other people are winning, we're just going to drop the bomb. Because yes, it's, it's no exactly. point for us to live if we're yes. not on top. Yes. It's no point to live if we can't destroy mm -hmm. and kill and see it happening. So if we ever start You're to taking go everybody down, with everybody us. Yeah. going down. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. with us, yeah. like, oh my God, like, when you really sit and meditate on how evil that really is, I don't think we've ever seen evil like like that before. Mm -hmm. That was just like, let's find something that would destroy the, the bees, the fish, the water, like everything would be gone. Everything. So it's like And it's forced but, people, I think it's oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, continue. No, I was I, gonna I, say I and it, I, psychologically too, like just the existence of nuclear weapons, it's kind of force people into this um, state of mind where they have to kind of wall off certain possibilities. Mm -hmm. Like you can't even incorporate that into your mind when you're making decisions because it starts to become, you, you feel like you're powerless because you say, well, okay, I can, I can, you know, get national sovereignty. I can feed the, the nation. I can, you know, increase infrastructure, make sure the children have healthcare education. Meanwhile, you have other people who just press a button and wipe all of that out. Right. So it, it kind of, it puts us, like our lives become very inauthentic because of nuclear weapons. Yeah. We can't even, you know, think about reality as is because if we try to think of it as is, you're paralyzed. It yeah. paralyzes. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and I think that was part of the intent of that. It was like kind of to, to put this kind of shadow over everything mm -hmm. you know and, 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 and as long as that shadow hovers over everything you do you'll always know don't take it too far because remember the people with the 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 access to the codes they can press the button at any moment yep. and wipe out everything that you fight for yeah yeah you know? and i so, remember they made like a whole big thing when biden was given the the suitcase with mm -hmm. the codes and it was like biden has been given the code they call it the nuclear the, football yeah they call it the like, like it's a sport like it's a sport the, like the, the faith of the of the world is now being reduced to a sport you know and, and so in the language they use you can tell this is something that's not even they not they don't even fathom they what don't they, even what they're yeah. saying when they use these phrases yeah. you know you, you're talking about football okay. nuclear football meanwhile you're talking about destroying not only the families of your enemy but your own your family. own family so and they don't value their own lives and this is why we, we refer to them as a death-centered culture yeah it's like they literally are death-centered they, mm -hmm. they center everything they do around the fear of death and just death in itself mm -hmm. so yeah yeah well i mean we we talk about meditating on certain things and certain things being unfathomable to us but like even with the holocaust and what we're taught about that that's yeah. just one group of people or whatever but nobody ever talks about people of color who have been in in that same type of mass genocide times yeah. who knows what the number is and it just gets swept under the rug or overlooked there it's like well no there was no mass genocide here on north america 
we just found this land when Christopher <laughs> Columbus came and it was all vacant. Like, it, it, yes. it's, it's mind blowing to me, honestly, that nobody has questioned this more or whatever. And like you said, the power's in the people, but like Makita said, you can't take our power from us, but these things like the nuclear weapons and these things take that power away because it's, it's a distraction in a sense. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for us to really be able to, to come together, people got to start knowing themselves. They really got to start tapping in. And um, yeah. I kind of said it earlier, but really using that inquisitive mind and like question some stuff, like Makita said, yes. research everything, look up some stuff. Yeah. And the more you start to question, stuff will find you. You don't even have to look up some of this stuff uh, for you to right. see a headline and know that it's some BS. Yeah. Right, right. I agree. We, we don't practice the art of asking the que right questions mm -hmm. because i think we're trained in, even in our academic lives we're like what is the answer just find the answer right. if you can find the answer and pass the test what's what's nothing else to discuss mm -hmm. exactly. but sometimes when you ask the question you find that the answers you doesn't really sufficiently capture what you're dealing with right. you know so once you rephrase the question it's like okay i'm asking something deeper so i'm not asking um, um, did America make a mistake when they invaded and bombed this country? I'm asking, what gives America the right, the right. to invade and bomb this country? Mm -hmm. So that's two different questions. And, mm -hmm. and, but I feel those type of um, spiritual or moral questions, they're kind of put off the table. Mm -hmm. Because once you start to raise those type of questions, now you start to feel, okay, these people who are doing these things in my name are doing these things with the um, um, kind of uh, image of um, innocence. They aren't just mistaken or misguided. These are evil people. These are people with ill intent. These are people who mean my destruction. Right. And, and, and we have to start looking at it like that. We have to acknowledge we have enemies. You know, Our job isn't to try to get people to embrace us. Our job is to defend ourselves mm -hmm. and the people we love. Right. That's, That's the it. only job we and have. And you're going to make enemies you know? doing that. And you're going to make enemies, yes. In a dead center culture, if you want to preserve the life of your family, you're going to have enemies. So yeah. it's like, let's get away from not trying, trying not to create enemies and right. trying to tiptoe around things and just say, this is my agenda. Mm -hmm. If it creates enemies, cool. Right, right. That's a part of the process. Right. Yeah. And how do you you know, being uh, parents, how do you all, one, communicate these truths to Mikey, to your son, and does he fully understand the risk of, of living in truth and going against mm -hmm. the system? Um, what goes along with that? How do you all communicate this to him? That's a good question. Do you want to <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very complex question. Yeah. I think because it's very interesting when you think about it from a child's perspective, especially because he's at an age now where um, he's communicating with us about these very heavy topics about the world. Mm -hmm. And then he also has to communicate with his peers, a lot of times who may not be talking about the same things. Who are not. Who are, who are not talking, nine times out of 10, they're not talking about the same things. Mm -hmm. So, and that sometimes can create this kind of sense of alienation. Yeah. And I think our job as parents is to kind of tell him that even though he may feel that sometimes we're, we're talking too much about something or we're trying to take the fun out of um, his childhood, mm -hmm. we, we always remind him that we tell him these things because we don't want him to grow up into an adult 
who is maladapted and dysfunctional mm -hmm. because he his grasp of reality is like not um um good his grasp of reality is loose right and and he's kind of looking for nurturance in all the wrong places, the wrong places. so right. so our our teaching of him it always begins with self-love you know before we even get to the what you know what's going on with the world we try to instill in him a love of his africanness a mm -hmm. love of his his natural self right and out of that self-love then comes these kind of more political and social um visions of right. like what he wants to be as you know a family man mm -hmm. you know what he wants to be as you know a father what he wants to be as a person who has a business mm -hmm. all of these things that we feel if you don't have that core of self-love mm -hmm. then you're really just you're training but you're not truly educated right right and know? i think is i think i've talked this about him before is you're an adult longer than you are a child right so my job as a parent is to make sure that you're a healthy adult. I don't want to focus too much on, you know, making sure you your childhood is the the best because you're only a child for what maybe 17 years mm -hmm. and the rest of your life you're an adult. So I want to give him the tools. We want to give him the tools so that he can be a healthy adult. And I think that's what we don't get as children. We have a lot of parents who indulge in you know, the material things, get whatever you want, you spoil, you watch a lot of TV, you, you know, it's a lot of things that you have access to. Hey, Parallel Podcast listeners. If you're looking to learn more about building a strong mindset and deepening your meditation practice, join Makita every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time live on Instagram for Makita's meditation and mindset tips. You can also schedule a free consult by visiting the link in her Instagram bio at Makita Smiles. And for all things health and wellness, check out Blair's site, threelayerswellness.com for products, services, and resources. And if you're looking to establish or enhance your business online presence, don't forget to check out thebonafideagency.com for assistance with websites, logos, graphic designs, and more. You can find all of this information in the show notes as well. So yeah, so most of your life, you're an adult. And so I wanted to, I really wanted to give him the tools to be a healthy adult and not really focus too much. I mean, we, we do, we let him be a child definitely but we also give him those things that he needs so that when he becomes an adult he won't have this skewed view of reality he won't be just like if somebody throws something at him he'll be able to process it and ask the right questions and um you know just be equipped and i think that's one thing our parent or at least my parents didn't give me they kind of gave me everything i wanted as a child very sheltered from things and then when we when i became an adult it was hard for me to accept truth like i was kind of hostile to truth in a way because i, it, I wasn't given it as a child i was kind of you know they even like a lot of parents too they kind of go on these things where they kind of lie to their children they tell them about santa or they, they you know they give them these false sense of reality and then they wonder why the child grows up and they they can't accept truth they become liars they're like but you lied to them for the first 10 years of their life and tell them that a white man was buying them presents so it's like a lot of things that we do <laughs> a lot of things that we do um our parenting has been adapted from people who are lying people they they're deaf center people so it's really unhealthy for us to apply what they do with their children to ours and so that's why when some of the things that we do talk about with them people may think are too touchy or too 
to, you know, you shouldn't discuss with your children, but for us, we don't want to mimic what white people do with their children. And they shelter their children from a lot of things because that's just who they are. But for us, we kind of try not to focus too much on the childhood <laughs> and we try to kind of integrate both in a way. Are we, are another way of putting it, we, we try to make a link between or, or try to accentuate the child's role in the larger community. Right. So a lot of times the kind of um, uh, picture of childhood we got is very self-interested. Mm -hmm. So the child's responsibility is to have fun. But within the African context, the child has responsibilities to his people. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly reminding him that he has a responsibility to his people. And we, uh, we try to stimulate within him an appetite for truth. Mm -hmm. You know, because a lot of adults, they don't have an appetite for truth, meaning they'll hear something that they never heard before and they'll immediately shut down. So we want to make sure that how we have conversations and how we model, me and my wife, like mm -hmm. he, he like, hears conversations we have that he becomes an adult who, who understands that it's valuable to talk about truth. There's an intrinsic value in talking about truth. There, isn't, there doesn't have to be any type of practical gain for you to speak truth because the gain is always spiritual. And right. then that can be transferred in practical ways. Right. So, so it's a part of your psychological health, we feel, to constantly be exposed to and intaking truth, mm -hmm. just in the same way you drink water or you eat vegetables and fruit. Mm -hmm. You want to say, okay, psychologically, if it's not true, we want to make sure we, we take that out of your, 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 your psychological diet, right. you know, if I can use that word. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's about creating a healthy psychological and physical diet. Right. And we're, we're learning as well as we go. So, you know, we, we, look to elders and we yeah. look to other people to kind of give us the guides and we also see the children here the children here are so much more mature mm -hmm. than the children in the u.s because it's like they just their demeanor everything about them is just like how old did you say you were mm -hmm. wait you're five and they and they but they're out with their parents and they they have a responsibility some of them work with their parents they're there with their parents at work on the side selling yeah. food like yeah. yes you, you look you look like you five right yeah. how are you doing this but it's just our our, chi our children in america are just kind of stunted we're very stunted mm -hmm. and a child's mind can hold so much and they have so much um ability mm -hmm. and we're get we're sitting them in front of elmo yeah and it's like yeah what or says you know like giving them big, like dumbed down stuff and then we have dumbed down adults yeah well i mean so, i and i think that ties back a, to even the schooling a, here it's a work in progress it's a balance you try to balance yeah. it does yeah, yeah definitely because schooling i feel like that's the leading kind of agent of self-hate yeah. in a lot of um, African children, you know, and, and a lot of the self-hate is undiagnosed because the parents are self-hating, you know, you <laughs> see what I mean? So you have yep. parents who hate themselves, yeah. they're not in a position to really um, discern the self-hate in their children. So, um, and part of that self-hate is the environment mm -hmm. that you're in. Like if all the influences you have is just on a repeat echo, echo that you contributed nothing to society, you have, you have no, of no value. Mm -hmm. You don't see pictures of yourself that are affirmative and positive. You see pictures of slavery. You just see pictures of slavery <laughs> and your, your historical memory doesn't reach beyond that. Right. Then you're going to come away from that experience with a very diminished sense of self. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's why it's so critical for 
our son to be exposed to um, African environment because mm -hmm. when he goes out into the world, he feels that he's the norm. Yeah. He doesn't feel that he's somehow out of place, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's so tragic. I think sometimes when I see these children who suffer from self-hate and then um, I hear what their parents say and then I make the connection and I'm like, wow, they're unprotected. Like they have really nowhere to run to. They're under siege in a sense. Yeah. And, and that's why, that's part of the motivation why I started homeschooling and, and, and um, uh, kind of pushing this idea of community, meaning families learning, because I feel until parents intervene in that process and say, yeah. okay, we're going to be in charge of the cultivation of our children. Mm -hmm. We're not going to entrust people who are um, intent on destroying us with educating our children until we take control of that when we're not taking control of our future. Right. You know, like we're yeah. just basically surrendering to the other people. Yeah, and I think that's huge, and I commend you all for that, because a child is most moldable in that first seven years. So, yes. you know, throwing them in a daycare or throwing them in kindergarten, first grade, they're being programmed mm -hmm. right away. And like you said, it's almost yes. putting them in a box, like you're in a, a box classroom, so you're not in nature, you're not exploring different cultures and getting hands-on learning right. and being able to physically right. do different things and tangibly touch different things. So. I definitely think it stifles the development and that's such an early age and like you said their mind i mean they can pick up a second language as a kid like it's nothing yes. so it's like yes. stop limiting them for this systematic way of pipeline to prison type type deal like the u.s has mm -hmm. and like truly let them grow into their own so i definitely think what you all are doing is awesome and keep instilling that truth and I think even though he might not appreciate it right now, maybe on certain levels because he sees kids doing certain things that he wants to be a part of, but I promise you 10, 15, 20 years from now, he'll look back and be like, man, I am so grateful that my parents made me do A, B, and C because it's put me in this position to see through certain things and be able to navigate this matrix a little bit easier. Yeah, right. and, yeah. we, and we 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 say that often. We, we like do. we say our job is not to make you happy. Our mm -hmm. job is to protect you and to ensure you grow in a healthy way. Right. That's our only job. Like mm -hmm. that. So I'm like, so whether or not you want, to, you like what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're doing this because we know what's good for you, and we know um, how to protect you from people who don't want you to grow. Right. You know, so, and, and, and that's the way you have to, parents a lot of times, they want to be friends with their children, no, no. and that kind, of, that kind of peer interaction with the child, it kind of breeds a kind of um, disrespect where the yeah. child doesn't become teachable anymore. Because a child doesn't learn anything really from their peers, but they can learn from a parent. Right. So, um, but so we have to begin. I feel parents asserting ourselves as parents, mm -hmm. you know, and that means teaching our children, not just providing for them materially, right. but right. teaching them how to grow and develop. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, um, but what I was saying was that I think a uh, an important part is the education of the parents first, because you all can speak to Mikey and be like. You know, we're telling you this because we know what's good for you. But a lot of parents in America don't know what's good for their children because they don't know what's good for themselves. So they have a lot of kids who are like pushing back, <laughs> like, yes, you know, because they can see yeah. that this doesn't make sense. But you're telling me just because you're older than me, I'm supposed to respect you and listen to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I think when parents don't um, acknowledge, because 
I think a lot of parents, they don't want to teach their child certain things like the truth about society because if their child acts on what they teach them, they don't want it to reflect on them. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's almost, it's very, it's very self-interested, like meaning they want to play it safe, so they, because they play it safe, they feel their child has to play, play it safe. safe too, yeah. but exactly. What often, what we often say is, whether you play it safe or not, you're the enemy. Yeah. Like you can think conformist, you can think non-conformist, but when you exit your house and the enemy sees you, he's gonna treat you like his enemy. Right. So you might as well teach that child something that they can use to protect themselves. Right. Because if you don't, then you're gonna be mourning because you're gonna be saying, what happened to my child where you didn't do anything? A lot of parents, they play it safe because they, they have this fear that if they teach their child something that's subversive, then somehow that's going to obligate them. So it's this kind of, they pass it on. It's almost like this tacit contact. Like, I don't know about myself, so you're not going to know about yourself. Right. And then that child grows up. And, <laughs> and then that child grows up and doesn't teach their child about themselves. So, yeah. And that's, that's this whole thing about generational curses, because I often say the generational curse um, is really the lack of self-knowledge. That's, so like, like, that's it. That's it. It's not, and it manifests in different ways. So it might manifest as drug abuse, alcoholism, domestic violence, but all of this springs from a fundamental lack of self-knowledge. Right. So and once we start to attack that ignorance, then you'll start to see your life transform. Right. And right. you create enemies, but you know, that's part of the that's process. Part of the process right. you know? And that's the funny thing, because I have a, as a therapist and I work with kids, um, a lot of my international clients, like their parents are like, what is this depression? What is this anxiety? Like, we don't, we don't do that. I'm like, it's because we're living in a country, you know, where you, you aren't grounded in self and other, like when you're in your homeland, you're, you can experience adversities, you know, trials and stuff like that. But when you're grounded in self, you have that level of resilience here. You're not grounded on anything. I, I totally agree. That's so true. Because I was, I was actually talking to Naiva about this today. I was like, because she said that actually, she was like, it's not like when we came to Africa, we don't experience challenges anymore. She said, it's not as overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not as overwhelming because when you're outside of your culture and you face the challenges, you don't have the tools to combat it. Mm -hmm. Meaning you're combating a challenge that came from a culture and then the tools that you're given to combat it are the same tools the that created the problem. <laughs> you see, so, yeah. so you, don't have a, you don't have anything, um, um, what's the word? that's indigenous to you mm -hmm. that you can use. And I feel like once people have tools that are indigenous to themselves mm -hmm. and that actually in, uh, um, generate some type of growth within themselves mm -hmm. and not just like bandage it up, mm -hmm. then you have true kind of transformation. But I feel in America, it's always about how can I accommodate these issues? How can mm -hmm. I accommodate this dysfunction as opposed to what is the root of this dysfunction? Yeah. You know, what is the societal origin of this dysfunction? Like mm -hmm. none of those questions are ever raised. Oh, I'm just gonna say, I think part of that accommodation comes from just our own culture, just being stripped. Like when you mm -hmm. can't tie yourself to something and say, I am of this tribe or I am actually from this country or from this place in particular, and we just don't know. And we're just a, a box of crayons, all different shades. And we're like, well, we're just black. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not the color of my t-shirt. I am not that. Exactly. So I, I think when you have the identification, you can actually tie back some family history to some certain things. It empowers you in a different way. And I know for myself, 
that information I shared with y'all last week definitely has empowered me on a different level because it's like I know where at least half my my family came from so yeah that's that's a big thing so when we talk about like power being stripped and that the culture the languages and everything that we did from a spiritual perspective and how we practiced it all of that stuff was stripped so it's like they hand us this book this is what you do and so like you said it's the tools given to you by the same people who are oppressing you so uh, I, like it's, it's not gonna cure a situation or fix anything per se it's yeah. a bunch of band-aids yeah right and i think extending from you know on this podcast we talk about all all about like how to you know elevate your mind body and spirit and ultimately having this sense of um authentic self and freedom and you know education like we've been talking about is part of the right education um Mm -hmm. and understanding truth is a part of that but we also see it from the perspective of entrepreneurship and being able to work for self or you know whatever use whatever your gifts talents and abilities are to contribute to the community um and ultimately you know the universe will take care of you uh when you are giving your gifts to the world so um i want you guys to briefly touch on like what are you all doing you know what do you guys do for work um working for yourself things like that okay so for me i do um i edit i edit videos and i work i do um, social media as well so i'm always been pretty creative so I love to create so that's my my main thing is editing I shoot sometimes but most of my because I'm not um physically in the U.S. a lot of people I work with are in the U.S. so I still I just get the footage or they send me something and I I edit it for them and then we're working on a community university with Ted Zeppi which is kind of the thing we were talking about before which is basically a university of family so you learn with your children the parents are learning at the same time right. and it's kind of that's what we're that's really what our main project is right now um so yeah and then my and, husband he's a writer and i'm a writer mm-hmm. um i have a book currently um under publication um it's called uh, the new blackface it's um being published by a tanzanian um, publisher called Nkuki Nyota. Um, it's still in the editing process currently. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the um, avenues I use to um, make a living. Um, my other um, work, I'm working on a book now as well. And then as my wife said, the Tep Zeppelin University, um, which will provide to um, anyone who's has internet access, in, whether they're in the diaspora or on the continent. Right, right, it'll be an online It's thing. a digital um, um, university, basically. Right. So awesome. yeah, so those are, those are kind of our kind of collective talents, you know, mm-hmm. that we use to support ourselves right. in the community. And you don't need a, a lot out here either, yeah. so. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. like the, mm-hmm. the cost of living is like crazy compared mm-hmm. to um, the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Expand on it a little bit more. Kind of, kind of give us some price points in comparison to like, let's say the typical home, mm-hmm. uh, which you might spend there versus here maybe even grocery bills and electricity, whatever comes with living. Uh, can you guys kind of give us a comparison? Yeah. So I'm bringing, up, I'm bringing up the conversion. I got an app on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you the exact number, okay? So one US dollar is equal to 2,318 Tanzanian shillings, T shillings they call right, it. Right. So um, basically 
we say like when we was in the U.S. monthly, we would pay about fourteen hundred dollars rent per for, month for a three-bedroom townhouse. For a three-bedroom townhouse with plywood structure, <laughs> you know, like a whole I'm paying that for a studio house. apartment right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so that's how much we was paying in Stone Mountain, and that's not even a rich area. Yeah, that's like that's like you know the hood to some people. Hood, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so now in Tanzania, we pay about that same amount, but for three months here, you know, yeah. uh, for, and, months, and this yeah. is for a house with, with many more bedrooms, five, like five, well, five, I mean, bedrooms, five bedrooms, four, bed. four bathrooms. It's gated, it's a gate, it's a uh, yeah. fence, yeah. Not, it's not a fence, it's a, literally a cement gate, They all, yeah. but all homes here have cement gates, yeah. so that's not anything new, but um, huge backyard, there's a house in the back behind mm -hmm. us, there's mm -hmm. like, so it's like the amount of, that you get for your money is crazy. And a lot of people mm -hmm. here, they build their home as yeah. they go. As they go. So, yeah. it, you know, in the U.S., you may see a house being built, and then three weeks later, you buy a pass, and it's done. Mm -hmm. Like, here, they actually take their time, mm -hmm. and they're so sturdy. Like they're structurally you, intact. We literally, because you know in the U.S., you can go and try to nail uh, something in the wall. You want to hang it up. It's easy. We literally went to the walls and started hammering, and we broke the hammer. <laughs> the hammer wow. broke, so the, mm -hmm. the, it's like it's it feels like a fortress. Yeah, like, yeah. dang, yeah. it's crazy with the way they build their houses here. They mm -hmm. they they can withstand anything. Um, so the utilities, it's like it's like you know, like in America, you get bills. Mm -hmm. You get a bill in the mail, or you get a bill online if you do online billing. Here it's just you put money on it. Yeah. So if we want if we want to pay the light, it's not like you're gonna get a bill in the mail that right. says you owe hundred thousand T shillings. We say how much we wanna put on it this month? Forty thousand. And it'll stay on and you got a little meter and you just monitor the meter and when it gets low you just put more money on it. Right. So you can basically and forty thousand is about how much you lose. Like, uh, forty thousand is like uh, uh, twenty dollars, like about twenty dollars, mm -hmm. you know. So the so wow. the beauty of that is you get it's easy to budget mm -hmm. you know because i feel living in america where every every price point is determined by you know other people so you get the bills then it's easy to kind of um, get in a situation where you can't accommodate the cost right you know whereas here you can easily say okay well we don't want to spend as much, so instead of putting sixty thousand two shillings, let's put thirty thousand. Yeah, and you then know? when we get paid, we'll yeah. add more. We'll add more. Money. So it's very flexible. It kind of gives you a kind of more, I think, freedom to determine, you know, at what uh, standard of living you want to live. Right, and insurance is an option. Most yeah. people here don't can't afford insurance. So yeah. you know, in the U.S., you can't get an apartment unless you have insurance, or you're not driving off the lot. Unless you have car insurance, and that's just a bill. That's just a what if bill. Mm -hmm. right. It doesn't even really make sense. Mm -hmm. So here, that's just another expense you can pocket because mm -hmm. you don't. There's no insurance. It's not the people who have insurance are like very well-to-do people, but yeah. most times, because the houses are built so well, mm -hmm. you don't really need insurance because yeah. you know what I mean. So it's just wow. so many things that we think we need and that we think are normal. Then you get here, people are like insurance yeah. for what? Yeah. Like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and, and medical too we went to the doctor one time and yeah. it was so cheap because yeah. we were thinking like how much is it gonna be we don't mm -hmm. know i think we, it was like thirty thousand. yeah it was just like what fifteen dollars or something right, right. so like wow. you don't need the insurance to get medical help because everybody can afford it it's not like so yeah. much that you're gonna be broke when you leave the doctor's office right right, right. <laughs> it's, it's no kind of like 
big process where you have to like access who within the network and you mm -hmm. know all of that you know bureaucracy like none of that is involved right. it's very direct you know right food is yeah. very cheap they have they do have grocery stores but most people don't shop most like the local Tanzanians they don't even shop at grocery stores they mm -hmm. shop locally like on the side of the road so grocery stores are kind of for more like they <laughs> the Tanzanians who want to be Americanized yeah, yeah. or or the Americans that live here or people from the UK or whatever that mm -hmm. live here, they'll be in the grocery stores. But yeah. like, you don't usually see local Tanzanians, Tanzanians in grocery stores. Mm -hmm. They buy locally and locally is like so cheap. Mm -hmm. yes. So cheap. Yes, very like, cheap. You can buy a whole bushel of bananas for, for like, like 20, 28 cents 20, or something. Yeah, it's very cheap. Crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like a bushel, right? you hang it up. Yeah. Yeah. This move is a no-brainer. <laughs> travel is very easy because we don't, we don't have a car living here, but like we can literally go walk outside our house Flag down somebody on a motorcycle. We call them boaters. Boaters. They call them boater boaters. Yeah. Or bijajis. It's like these little um, cars. I'm mm -hmm. not explaining. Like it looks like a beetle, like yeah. an old school like beetle, old school but it's beetle. got three wheels on it. Yeah. yeah. But they drive. Oh, like the little tuk tuks almost. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. You get them in India a lot too. I think. Yeah. 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 So we can just walk outside, flag one of those down. We can mm -hmm. tell them where you want to go, and they'll be like ten thousand, which yeah. is what maybe. Like three dollars, four dollars wow. to go play. Yeah. Oh so it's so easy to get around. It's it's beautiful, yeah. and we like not having a drive because yeah. you know in America driving is stressful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so depending on where you at, it can't be stressful for yes, real. Yes. Well, I was in Atlanta, so it was horrible. Yeah. People don't know how to drive either. People Bro, don't know it, how to drive in Atlanta. Yeah. No, I was in Atlanta this past weekend. It was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you don't even the thing out here is you don't even see car accidents. Like mm -hmm. these people, they drive fast and they drive um, precise. precise. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. they don't be like, how do you? How are you not in a car accident? But we we've seen maybe like five car accidents since we've been here. Mm -hmm. And every time there's a car accident, everybody stops what they're doing and they go and help. Yeah. Like you wouldn't see somebody just riding past with a phone, like, yeah. "Hey, look yeah. at that!" Like They're stop and park their car and try to help the yes. person who got in the accident. And they don't even know these people. It's yeah. just so communal. It's something yeah. that you've never experienced before. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Again, that's yeah. that's been stripped from us. Like, I remember even being a kid and the neighbors that we had around us. It was a Jamaican family next door. I remember this Asian lady next door. Some Puerto Ricans across the street, and we knew everybody. Like. Even though they weren't, didn't, or they didn't look just like us, we still knew everybody. But like now, I feel like I don't know any neighbors. No, no. And in America, it's not really, even within our own cultures, it's not really, I guess, promoted to form those types of communities and be more like our grandparents and know everybody who's around you and help out. Um, now, like you said, it's just more so you see somebody in trouble, people pulling out their phones and yeah. or just being nosy about the situation, just watching, whatever. So, yeah. man, I, I truly want to get over there and experience that type of life because I try and implement a lot of that stuff even here. Um, yeah. So like when you talk about buying locally, just with like food and stuff, I don't feel like I would ever need to go to a grocery store because I rarely go to a store here unless I need some some fruit or some yeah. veggies. You would but love it here. Yeah. You would yeah. love it because you literally could go out. We can walk outside of our house and just go buy fruit, mm -hmm. food and yeah. go buy fruit and come right back. Yeah. Like we don't even, they don't even use grocery bags. You just get a basket. Mm -hmm. Be like, give me the pili ho ho, give me yeah. the potatoes, give me all the stuff. 
and you wax your house and you don't spend like twenty thousand. Yeah. Which is about six dollars from what y'all said. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And the thing here is you shop every maybe four days because the food is so fresh. Yeah, it will go, go bad. Go bad. So you can't you can't like in the US you can go to the grocery store and stock up for two weeks. And yeah. You don't have to yeah. Eat. You can't yeah. do that here. The food will go bad. So mm-hmm. you see the same people out every few days buying buying more food mm-hmm. and, and they're okay with going out mm-hmm. their house because it's Right outside. Right, right, right. I, I I think it's important for our listeners to hear what you just said as far as food going bad in a short amount of time. That's what yes. happens when you eat real organic food. It actually mm-hmm. spoils and molds and goes bad. But like here, like you said, you might buy an apple and it lasts a month. <laughs> Not normal. <laughs> so I mean, and that's just on the fruit level. So imagine anything else that's processed that you're eating, it has these chemicals injected into it. So it has that longevity. Um, so it's important to feed your body life, like you said. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because yes. if you don't, you're gonna feel like death. You're gonna be sluggish. You know, you ain't gonna have no energy. So I've known my energy levels. I'm just, I feel so energetic every day because I eat so yep. much fruit. Yeah, know? fruit and raw vegetables. Yeah, like yeah. I was never eating um, raw onions and raw. Mm-hmm tomatoes, mm-hmm. like everything used to be cooked. Mm-hmm. But here they actually have dishes where mm-hmm. it's just like Yep, kachimbari. You just take a bunch of like tomatoes, tomatoes um, peppers, onions. and then you put lime juice on it. And salt. And salt. That's it. And it's eat so it good. Itself. And yep. that's just it's mm-hmm. very normal for them to just eat raw yeah. vegetables. Yeah. I'm about to get some recipes from y'all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should oh. learn uh, how to make a chapati too. Oh, I don't yeah, know chapati. if you eat bread, but like it's like a uh, kind of almost like the um, pita bread or okay. naan bread. If you eat like, um, yeah, it's like naan. It's like naan. Bread. Without, okay, naan. yeah, I like naan. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that's naan. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, yeah, I definitely see, uh, I definitely continue to collaborate with y'all, whether it's doing like some couple stuff, because, you know, I, the your relationship with one another and, and how you all have grown individually and as a couple um, is just, it's really that, that, that um, mutual respect. For one another that we don't really see that we've lost here in America. So I yeah. definitely want to, you know, do some future collaborations, maybe some couple stuff. Definitely want to yeah. get the get the roadmap to making that trip back home to Africa because I'm sure that yeah. process of you know really figuring out you know everything is can be challenging. And I think mm-hmm. there's some value in having to go through those struggles on your own, but it's also valuable to have somebody who's already been through the process to be able to right. let you know what to look for. Um, and y'all know people here and you got a place to stay. So it's like most times people hey. are like, Africa, I don't know nobody. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, y'all already got a place to stay. Yeah. Hey, well, blessings. It's, Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we always tell our friends, we like, um, when you come here, come see us because like we, we so happy when people decide to make that move mm-hmm. because we know there's so much kind of energy expended it. to discourage people from doing it. Yeah. You know, and, and the fact that, you know, people like you all exist that have the ability to look past all of that and say, I'm going to go anyway. I don't care what people are saying. Like, because right. like, I'm thinking, like, we live in a time now where um, people are entertained by movies like coming to America. Right. You know, they should be going to Africa. Right. You know? <laughs> 
like, it's like everything is like backwards right now. So I'm like, man, it's so refreshing when we hear people be like, yeah, I want to go. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. they still understand. Like it gives us hope that people still understand yeah. where the real wealth of the world is. Right. It's, right. Not in, it's not around the skyscrapers. It's, it's where the open land is and the forest and the fruits. And the earth. Right. In the earth, yeah. yeah. And real quick, I had a um, somebody connected me with somebody else through Instagram. And he's like, you should follow this girl. She's in Tanzania and we like to travel. And she ended up coming here. Like, she's planned it within, like, maybe three months. She came here and she loved it. Like, she and she was raving about it. Her, the people were discouraging her to go because she came by herself. So, you know, people were like, traveling to Africa by yourself. Like, what yeah. is about but She had a lot of opposition when coming and she came and she's been looking at places to come back. And she actually lives in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. She has um, been looking at places to come stay because she loved it so much. And she was, she was just like, I could never, she loved how she was able to go out at night and feel so safe. She was like, she would, uh, she would be getting random rides from men on, on motorcycles and never felt unsafe. Versus mm -hmm. if you did that other places, you'd be like, who are you? Mm -hmm. I need it. No, no Uber, no nothing. Just like, you, can you take me somewhere? Cool, let's go. And it's the safest, it feels so safe. Mm -hmm. That's another thing about it here. It's like, mm -hmm. crime is like, the most that's gonna happen is maybe somebody trying to take your phone. Mm -hmm. but, Even that, we only seen like one time. Yeah, since we but other than that, it's just like feeling safe mm -hmm. at night around men. And it's just like, because I know in America they have this narrative of how dangerous men are and how women, they going out and walking is just so scary and all these things, which I'm not saying is, is, is not true. What I am saying is there's places where that's not the case. And right. the fact that that is the case in America is a product of a culture exactly. that created a predatory created mentality. That. Right, right. You know, here I feel like you don't have that same um, predatory mm -hmm. mentality. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I can't wait for to yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us. And we'll definitely be staying in touch. I can't wait till we make our first trip out there. I see oh, it already. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta make that move. <laughs> Everything is aligning, you know, perfectly for that trip. So, um, is there anything else? Uh, any way that our, our listeners can support you? I know you guys have the community coming out. Uh, Bob Medelli, I know you have your books coming out. Is there any way that our community can support you on any of those projects? Um, we are accepting donations for the Tech University just um, because it's a lot of work to edit and shoot everything. It's kind of time consuming. But that's, yeah, that's, that's about pretty it. much it. Or just, you know, follow the journey and share yeah. with people because right. that's really why we are so appreciative of you guys is that you're highlighting um, what we're doing and showing people that it's possible because that's really all we want. We just want people to see that it's possible right. and have that desire to, right. for something more meaningful in life. Right. So if you can just share it, that's, that's mm -hmm. really all yeah. we care about. Yeah, it's for inspiration. It's mm -hmm. not just like the kind of individual, you know, um, game we have is less important, we feel, than the idea of our people you know, liberating themselves from ways of thinking and ways of living. Right, right. You know, if that happens, then that's all we want. Right, and we have a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. and now we have uh, the podcast with you guys, so, yeah. yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I was going to say, we can, um, we'll talk about it offline, but, okay. yeah. We yeah. can definitely um, support you in any way you need, so definitely feel free to reach out to us. Um, 
I do branding and design work. So if there's ever anything that you need on my side, yeah. I'd be more than happy to help. Mm-hmm. Ooh, appreciate it. Santi, Santi. Santi. Yes. And I, I'm definitely going to hit you up. So I'm trying to rebrand my Instagram. So I want you to create okay. some. <laughs> yeah, for real. I might have some editing we need to do on some other stuff. So, so send it over. Cool, cool. And I'm looking forward to your book by me. So send me all of that and get all of those as soon as you drop them. Yeah. I read your article on um, a Dr. John Magafuli. So I'm definitely going to post that in the show. Yeah. so so much um and even just my i I can just see my paradigm shifting the more i've i've learned from you all and and then that led me to do my own research and you know knowledge is is so much it's power you know and it it is it's our spirit it's connected to our spirit when we can have the right knowledge right understanding so i'm so appreciative of you all and all the the work that y'all are doing thank you Platform. Yes, we're so appreciative to you guys for, yes. for caring. Mm-hmm. So, yes. thank, you, thank you, thank you. So appreciate much. it. Thank you. Beautiful. All right, Parallel Podcast listeners, as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And until next time, peace and love. Peace, peace. Uh,